From FasterMind.co, this is Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. I'm Dane Sanders. Converge is a show about that space, that tension between the stuff you make and making money or something valuable from your stuff. The show lives where creativity and business collide, giving all of us the opportunity to rethink how we work and live in the digital economy. You compete on price because you're thought of as a photographer, not thought of as a brand. Whereas if you can build a brand around yourself, if you can build an essence that isn't just that you're a photographer, but it's about the experience and it's about the images and it's about the entire opportunity of working with you, you're able to take your business to another level. If you're in a business where it feels like you are invisible, where there's so much competition in your space that you just cannot stand out in the crowd. Today's conversation is for you. My guest is Jess Levin Conroy, and she runs Carrots and Cake, an incredible business in the luxury wedding market. Not only is today's conversation the kind of thing that will help you understand that there's a bigger game to be played than just how do you get more leads and how do you beat the competition, but we really get into the detail of what it means to brand your business in a way that the brand itself does the heavy lifting. I think you're going to love it. Jess Levin, welcome to Converge. Hi, Dane. Thank you so much for having me. I am so pleased to have you. It's It's been such a treat to get to know you, that, especially over this last year or so, and really dive into the incredible project you're working on currently, but not only that, your history as a, as a business person. And I got to tell you, those of us who have met you for the first time, I'm, I'm glad that I have that context of time to have gotten to know you because what you do and who you are is deceiving. I think that people see you in one light just because of first impressions. You make an amazing first impression and you're super winsome. You're super attractive. You have this amazing, you and your brand is incredibly attractive over at Carrots and Cake, but there's more than a pretty face going on here. And I want to dive into not only what you've created, but really invite people to think about their own pretty faces and their own businesses that they have in the marketplace and have them expand beyond what seems immediately what they should be going for and to play a bigger game. Because I think that's what you do better than most people I know in the entire luxury wedding industry. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Cause it's really true for those who don't know you or carrots and cake, just give a quick synopsis on your journey educationally and vocationally and what got you to a place of wanting to engage luxury weddings. And then we'll, we'll dive from there. Cause I have a specific set of questions I want to ask you. Perfect. Sounds great. So hi everyone. I'm Jess Levin Conroy. I am a Southern California girl living in New York City, landed here with undergrad and business school at NYU. And I used to work in venture capital and invest in luxury brands and ended up stumbling across the wedding industry because I like entrepreneurs. I like business owners. I like solving people's problems and hearing what we can do to help people build stronger businesses. That's what I used to love about venture. And that was the opportunity I saw inside the wedding space is there was a whole lot of small business owners and people building 
brands and no one really paying attention. And so our whole philosophy with carrots and cake was to build a company that first and foremost would be a resource for those local wedding businesses. So when you say that a resource for the local wedding businesses, uh, that makes sense to me. Cause I think uh, coming from the, the wedding space, having been a photographer for 12 years, I knew that my job as a photographer was, or at least I thought my job was at least initially to go get new business, to generate a lead someplace. So I'm a new photographer and it's amazing. There's no barrier to entry. I I don't really know who my competition is, but I know there's a lot of them. And I'm just convinced that I need to find brides who are going to get married and I'm just going to do whatever it takes to find those brides. But talk a little bit about how when people start evolving from that initial stage of being a kind of a service-based professional to really wanting to build a business or a brand, what goes on in the mind of those people? Because I think you're right. There's there's something about luxury weddings that that draws a certain kind of crew in, but the people that rise to the top, they tend to get a different mindset over time. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Right. I think that it's not just the wedding industry. I think it's every industry in general that if you think about it, and I love this concept of brand and that brand is really product plus meaning. It's creating an emotional attachment with what you do that then allows you to not just become a commodity, which is the challenge I think that you see a lot in local businesses in general, especially in the wedding industry. You know, there's a lot of people that will play in a fast market region and that they're pigeonholed with their opportunity set because they're nothing more than just a photographer. And I don't mean that to sound anything other than, you know, you compete on price because you're thought of as a photographer, not thought of as a brand. Whereas if you can build a brand around yourself, if you can build an essence that isn't just that you're a photographer, but it's about the experience and it's about the images and it's about the entire opportunity of working with you, you're able to take your business to another level. And I think inside the wedding industry, you end up at a certain point with that sort of luxury set, realizing that they're no longer trying to sell a commodity. They're actually selling an experience. That's interesting to me. So So you're right. I think that the wedding industry is almost a microcosm of several kinds of industries like this. What are some other examples of industries that you think this phenomenon shows up? I think you see it a lot in interior design. I think you see it in real estate. I even think you see it if you look on, I think it's interesting right now, New York City, there's, you know, a nail salon on every corner. And right now they're all the same. So you're, if you're a consumer in the city, you are price shopping for your manicure because that's what makes sense. There's really no difference between the salon on one corner and the salon on another corner. All of a sudden, there's been a couple of brands that are popping up around the city that are delivering an experience where the manicure is now three times what you would pay for at the corner, but you walk in and the entire environment from the way you book that manicure to the way that they deliver you a tea when you show up to the way that you pay is a incredibly seamless experience where that manicure no longer feels the same as the manicure on the corner. And even if the customer can't totally identify or talk about it in meaningful ways, they just have this palpable experience where they're like, even if I can't tell you why it's different, all I know is that is different. Is that fair? 
Exactly. And I don't mean to say that I am probably a rarefied consumer who walks in and understands and sees all those different touch points that are happening because that's part of what we do and what I like. But it's interesting because they're walking in and just feeling like it's different where what now this manicure salon has done is they're no longer competing with everybody else in their market because their product is no longer thought of the same as everybody else's is. So that differentiated experience, is is that the pathway to get from a commodity to a brand? I think so in some ways. And I think, again, it depends on the company and what you're building. I think even in the digital space, when you don't offer a tangible good, and especially I think it's one of the interesting things that happens inside the wedding space in general is because a lot of what you're buying, you know, wedding planners struggle with this. Any service provider struggles with this is you're not giving a hard good, right? So if you're selling a hard good, something that a consumer can physically touch. A pair of shoes with red soles on the bottom. It's a lot easier exactly to differentiate. But when you're selling a service, when you're selling something that's intangible, you know, it's a lot harder to differentiate and create that meeting. And so I think part of it is experience. And I think a big part of it is also positioning. So just so we're on the same page with this, when you say positioning, specifically in the digital space, how does somebody, I mean, this gives a lot, lot of explanatory power. For those of you who are listening and you're curious, like how this tangibly plays out, I'd encourage you to go to Carrots and Cake right now. And this all of a sudden, everything that Jess is saying will become technicolor for some of you, if you have eyes to see. But talk a little bit about how, a service professional can position in the digital space? One of the things that we employ with carrots and cake, and I can only speak from experience, is the less is more conversation. And that the more elevated you want your brand to feel, the less you need to give away online, which sounds very counterintuitive, considering we are part of the age of open information. But More and more, the definition of luxury is this concept of wanting something that not everybody else can have. So scarcity breeds value. If it's less of it, supply and demand, it just appears as more valuable. Exactly. And so if you think about your brand digitally, one of the things that I think is interesting, regardless of your market, is you want to put less information out there because you don't want to make it seem like you're selling yourself too hard, which is another aspect to that luxury positioning. You want to put enough information out there. You know, it's a fine line. You don't want to make it too difficult for someone to call you in most cases, but you also don't want to give them, you know, your entire life story, everything you do all in one place, because that also doesn't make you feel exclusive either. Fascinating. So, so again, just to kind of orient folks to this conversation, This is particularly tailored for folks who are listening and they're going, okay, so I want my brand to stand out in a crowd. I want what I do for people. In fact, if you're wondering if your industry qualifies for this conversation, just ask yourself, is there a lot of you around, (laughs) especially when you and your competitors are all trying to get people's attention online? And in which case, it's hard to think of any service industry where that isn't the case. But if there's a temptation for you to become a commodity, what we're talking about today is how do you stop being seen as a commodity in the space. And I I know I've been in hundreds of these kinds of conversations where that is the overall feeling. They just feel invisible and they're, they're suffering from a freelancer problem in a sense. They may not call themselves a freelancer, but that's, they're looked at like that. And what I'm hearing you describe, Jess, is this invitation to say, well, what if you were to elevate how you are viewing what you're doing and how could you be more curated and careful in how 
that story gets told in the marketplace. If I'm at home listening to this, I'm bought in. I'm 100% like this makes all the sense in the world. But it seems like if I want to create scarcity and therefore value, and the, which means I can only give a limited amount of information out at a time in any one place, picking that particular kind of information becomes pretty critical. Exactly. And it makes sense to me why picking right makes a lot of sense. If folks at home want to begin thinking more carefully about this, how, how would they progress in this conversation to develop a better sense of taste and aesthetic? Can they get help? Can they get, are there things to read? Like how do they get exposed to these, these ideas of, of curating their brand well? Well, I think a place to start is always to look at the industry leader in your industry and then look at the comparable industry to you, because we all have comparable industries that relate to what we're doing. And look at that industry leader, because interestingly enough, I find sometimes looking outside your industry will give you more insight on your industry, because unfortunately, to do the best that the best person is doing is not really what you need to be doing. It's doing better than what the best person is doing. And so looking outside the industry, and I think that that's kind of how we stumbled into this with carrots and cake of this concept of less of less is more is if you look at some of the best interior designers, or you look at inside the photography space, some of the best photographers, they're not showing you every single project that they've done. They're showing you the best projects that they've done. They're showing you enough to let you know that they have extensive experience, but they're not showing you too much to where all of a sudden it would feel like you were just another number inside their business. And I think that that is interesting to think about. I think the same thing applies to social media. This is a conversation I have with our digital media editor all the time is if you look at our industry, the typical large brands inside our space are posting all the time. If you then look outside our industry and you look at some of the luxury fashion houses, I think Burberry does an incredible job with their digital strategy. I also think Click Media, who runs Who, What, Where, does an incredible job with their digital strategy. They're posting twice a day, sometimes once a day, and they're getting more engagement with that content because it's scarcer than with posting four or five times a day. There's two pieces to this equation. One is, I think it can be a a radical epiphany for people to realize that if they want to stand out, they need to do stuff different than the other commodity competitors. Like just just to know that that's the case, because it's so tempting to just follow the crowd. Like everyone's doing X, so I have to do X if I want to be competitive. The logic makes sense, but what you're saying is if you want to differentiate, you have to do something counterintuitive. And this this is an idea that isn't new conceptually, but when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to remember. Like that when everyone's zigging, I'm supposed to zag because it feels so terrifying to kind of make that kind of leap. But for the few who are listening and they're going, but this is what I must do. This is the year I must go in a new direction. And let's say you're having that kind of a conversation with a friend. I love what you're saying about first step is to to look at who who are the people who are already doing it, either in your industry or a related or nearby industry that you have esteem for. If there was one more piece to, the, to go from there, so I'm, I've seen these two places, how can I go about practicing it or trying it out? Is, is it just trial and error? Can people, I'm guessing if people come to Carrots and Cake, there's a chance to get into a conversation or find out more information, But but that's really a very elite crew of people. So where do they go? Well, so I think that, The first thing that you want to do when you're thinking about this conversation, 
of how to, let's say, elevate your brand or differentiate your brand, it's not even looking outward. It's first looking inward. And I think this is the one of the biggest things as small business owners and entrepreneurs that we all struggle with is sometimes we're doing a hundred different things. So finding the time to be introspective is not always top of list. It doesn't always make you the most money right away, but long-term it does. And what I mean by looking inward is in a lot of different industries, part of, and you touched on this a second ago, Dane, is the concept of you know, zagging while everybody's zigging. It shouldn't just be a haphazard zag while everybody else is zigging. There should be a reason behind your zag. And in order to have a reason behind your zag, you first have to understand what it is that you're building and what you want to be known for. I love the analogy of in and out which for those of you that aren't from Southern California or familiar with the craze, it was a burger place that started as one tiny little drive through in Southern California known for hamburgers and fries. And my favorite part about that is that I think they took something like 35 years before they added milkshakes to their menu. Milkshakes, not something terribly complicated to make, but they wanted to perfect that burger and fry combo before they did anything else that they spent 30 years only doing burgers and fries. And what I think that communicates is they knew the one thing they needed to do to stand out from everybody else. Cause as much as you can make your brand look differentiated and feel differentiated, if you don't focus on the one thing that you want to be known for that you can own, you don't have the framework with how to even think about differentiating your brand. And then from there with that one thing that you can own, where's that consumer? you know, where is that business coming from? Cause that's the interesting thing. So inside the wedding space and just using that as an example, and I find this to be really fascinating is there's a lot of dialogue right now around focusing on luxury and across a lot of industries, you hear all the time business owners say, well, I really want to break into the luxury space. The interesting thing about that is the business you have today probably isn't the same business you can have if you want to go after the luxury space, if you're not already there. And what I mean by that is to service that clientele is a very different cost structure than to service your existing clientele. And what we've learned by working with some business owners is that they actually make more money staying in their space than they do trying to go after a luxury business, which is a very interesting conversation because if your business isn't set up and that's not the kind of business you want to run, it's going to cost you more to go after that luxury business than it is going to cost you to focus on building your business where you are. And so knowing those two things, knowing one, what is your defensible, ownable quality? What do you want to be known for? And then two, who's your client and really who's your client and who's your client today and where are you trying to take your client? You can take those two pieces of information and that can help you start to think about how you then should be informing your brand. That's so helpful and encouraging because I think you're right. There's this tempting to think of the kind of gradual map that goes up and to the right and that to level up my business means to level up my clientele or to go to a different category of business when in fact I might not be properly suited for that category and I could have killed it in burgers (laughs) and now I'm trying to sell like 
gold-plated burgers or something like that, that I could really miss the mark on targeting just because I'm assuming that bigger purchasing power is the place to be when I could differentiate in the market where I'm more suited, where I'm better able to, to truly deliver. I saw this incredible uh, movie uh, this year called uh, Don't Think Twice. Did you see Don't Think Twice? I did not. Okay, so Don't Think Twice is the first movie ever made by uh, one of my favorite radio people on the planet is Ira Glass and everyone's favorite guy. But he made this limited release movie, got 99 tomatoes on Rotten Tomatoes. So very high marks. And on top of that, it was about something that everybody understands. So it's this comedy troupe that are all aspiring to get on Saturday Night Live. But in this context, they called it Weekend Live. And uh, it's hilarious. It's funny. I couldn't recommend it more highly. But without spoiling anything, there are these two characters, both of which get a shot to get on the show. And in trying to get there, one of them goes high and the other goes low. And everyone thinks that the one going low made the mistake. But mm-hmm. I don't think they did. And I think that's actually lost even as a viewer. But I encourage you guys, if you guys watch it, it seems like if I'm hearing you right, Jess, you're saying that it's not about the high or the low. It's about the fit. It's about going all in in the direction that you're, without sounding too pithy, like that you're made to go after. But it does require both vision external to myself as well as an internal confidence that I'm being true to myself. Am, am I hearing you right at all? A hundred percent. Because when you read about great brands is there's a level of authenticity to what they do. Because at the end of the day, as you and I both know, and I hope everybody listening gets this from us, is that there's no science to building a great brand. Because if there were, it would no longer be what you needed to do to build a great company. You know, it would lose its value. But there is something where if you read about some of the great brands, there's an authenticity to what they do that is irreplicable. And part of that authenticity, I believe, comes from staying true to what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, you can use Steve Jobs and as, as an example. One of my favorite quotes that he has is the one that says something, and I'm going to paraphrase it and butcher it, but he's prouder of the things they haven't done than the things they have done. So he's prouder of the things that they've said no to, the opportunities that they've passed on because they weren't right for them as a brand. He's more prouder of those decisions because it's allowed the company to stay truer to what they actually are building. So if people are home, it sounds like what you're saying uh, and they're and they're trying to decide, what do I do out of this? What action do I take? So, what if that was it? What if they just decided, like they made a, uh, not a, just a to-do list going into this next year, but they created a brand to not do list. <laughs> Would that be helpful? A hundred percent. I mean, I think that's the hardest thing. I think initially, and I, I wrote a, a post about this recently, and one of our clients wrote me that her new favorite thing is not fear of missing out, but joy of missing out. Because when you first start a business, no matter what anybody tells you, and I speak for myself, but I think this is the truth, you really don't know what you're doing. You can have a business plan and you can have it all figured out, but you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and you're learning as you go. And at a certain moment though, as you get farther down the path, you shift from saying yes to everything. Because when you're young, you're trying it all on. You're open to every opportunity. You don't really know, you know, what's going to work and what's not going to work. But hopefully at a certain point you shift from, you know, trying to figure out what works to recognizing this works for me and then taking that learning and making sure that you say no to the things that don't fall under that umbrella. That's one of the hardest disciplines. 
you know, I keep saying Jess Levin because that's how I met you before you were married, and now you're Jess Levin Connery. So forgive me and ask your husband to forgive me. <laughs> but thank you so much, Jess, for sharing. I, here's to Jomo. I just love everything about that. And I think it's the kind of thing that if a few of us, just a few of us, could really grab hold of this idea, I think our brand world would be a better place. And I think you make it a better place. For folks who are, happen to be in the luxury wedding space uh, and they want to get more exposed, carrotsandcake.com is a great place to go. But if they wanted to follow up directly with you into this kind of a conversation, is that available? Is it Twitter? How would they best contact with you? Yeah, of course. No, I'm happy to give you all my email address. It's Jess, J-E-S-S at carrotsandcake.com. And if you want, you're interested in seeing more of, you know, these kind of thoughts, I write a weekly newsletter and you can email newsletter at carrotsandcake.com and they will add you to the list. This was episode 12, season two of Converge, the business of creativity podcast. Music today provided by Triple Scoop Music, the leading music service for creative professionals. Find the perfect song for your next project at triplescoopmusic.com. Fastermind.co is home base for all things Converge. It's also where you can find exactly what you need to make real change happen. Like ever want to ditch your not-so-smart smartphone addiction? Knock that out this week. No kidding. Find out more at fastermind.co. Until then, I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time.